Good, good. Need to know you're alive out there. Last week was hard preaching because you guys were so quiet. So this week you need to help me. All right? Need to help me. Good, good. Well, we are on a week three of six in a series called Training for Reigning. We're looking at episodes in the life of Joseph. And uh, as we've said before, this story is a story about Joseph and it's a story about you. It's a story about 4,000, almost 4,000 years ago. And it's a story about right now, right here, right now. And it's a story of how God works in and through every circumstance, every situation. The ones that we're happy about, the ones that we're not so happy about. God is working in the midst of every circumstance and situation to bring about His purpose for our lives. And He's working in those situations um, just like in Joseph's life, God had, God had planned for Joseph to be raised to a position of authority in Egypt. And everything that God did in Joseph's life, he, he went through some really tough stuff, some really difficult stuff. But all of that was preparation for the moment when God was ready to elevate him to a position of leadership. And everything that God has done in your life before now has prepared you for now. And everything that, that is happening right now, God is using it to equip you for what's next. Because God is, God's kingdom is an increasing kingdom, not a decreasing kingdom. His plan for you is to increase in spiritual authority, not decrease. And He wants to advance you. He wants to move you uh, into greater things. And so everything He's doing is preparing you and equipping you if we cooperate with Him. Right? So today, uh, we're going to be talking about conquering the dark side. (laughs) Thank you for the musical interlude, Pastor Graham. The, The Darth Vader music. All of us have a dark side. Scripture calls it our flesh. Evil desires that war within us. Today we're going to be talking about conquering the dark side. Looking at Joseph's life and how he faced temptation... And how Joseph seemed to succeed where other Bible heroes did not. Most of the the heroes we read about in Scripture faced temptation. And yes, they had moments of victory, but they also had moments when they fell badly on their face. But Joseph seemed to find a path of victory over his dark side. And, uh, and we, want to, we want to look at that. James says, in James 1 verse 13, When tempted, 
no one should say, God is tempting me. God, why did you make me like this? Why did you give me these desires? Right? Sometimes we blame God for our struggles, for our failures. Or we blame, the devil made me do it, right? Blame the devil. But what does James say? James says, For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Therefore, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see this progression happening in this verse that James writes. That desire, when we give room for desire, evil desire in our hearts, when we give room for it, it, it conceives sin in our heart. And then we give room for sin to grow and it produces death in us. All of us have lurking in our hearts a dark side Interesting, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 4, story of Cain and Abel, we won't go too far into it this morning because we, we have other stories to get to, but Cain and Abel, God comes to Cain when he begins to hate his brother because uh, Abel's uh, sacrifice was accepted and Cain's was not, remember? And And God comes to Cain and he says to him, Cain, be careful. Sin is crouching at your door. You must master it. Isn't that interesting? Wasn't God's job to master sin in Cain's heart? It was Cain's job. So we can't go around blaming God for our struggles, blaming the devil. God has given us a job to conquer the dark side in our heart. So how do we do that, right? We can often be our own worst enemies. Many significant leaders in the kingdom of God have been brought down by scandals and destructive the destructive power of sin. Just in the last year, we've had to listen to story of Ravi Zacharias. After his death, all of this stuff came out about the, the, the terrible sexual sin that he'd been involved in. Perversion. And then there was the story of Hillsong, New York and the celebrity pastor Carl Lentz who also um, stories came out about his uh, sexual misconduct and, and uh, he, he imploded, you know, his, his ministry was destroyed. One of the most popular religious podcasts right now is called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it's all about the ministry of Pastor Mark Driscoll, who pastored the fastest growing church in America in the early 2000s in Seattle 
But his issues of anger and control that he didn't deal with and his harmful behavior caused the church to implode in 2014. And, uh, and the fastest growing church in America completely dissolved. It's easy to look at these individuals and many stories like them that have hit the media over the last decades and villainize these leaders. Man, there was something really wrong with them. But how many times have we sabotaged God's best for us by allowing our dark side to defeat us? How many times have we been our own worst enemy? There is a battle going on on the inside of you that is more significant than the battle that is coming against you. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, Paul writes, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, whatever else you do, guard your heart. If we want to do something lasting and sustainable for the kingdom of God, what is more important than our giftedness more important than our passion is the condition of our hearts. What do I mean by that? Well, let's dive into the story of Joseph and find out. <clears throat> First of all, uh, Genesis chapter 39. First of all, I'll read the first three verses. Now, Joseph had been taken. Remember last week we talked about how Joseph was sold into slavery by the Ishmaelite, to the Ishmaelites by his brothers, right? That's where we left off last week. Now Joseph had been taken to, down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, very significant position. Um, he oversaw the, the, the royal guard for Pharaoh. Um, brought, bought him, bought Joseph from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything, um, sorry, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became his attendant. <clears throat> so Joseph, Joseph had been a prince. 
His father Jacob was an incredibly wealthy man. Kings in Canaan were nervous about Joseph and his family because his family, his flocks, his riches, his, his servants, his household was so large that, they, that he threatened kings. Joseph had been treated like a prince all of his life, but now he finds himself on a slave auction block. Can you imagine anything more humiliating for someone who's used to the good life, so to speak, right? The rich life. He could have said, don't you know who I am? And he could have resisted the humiliation with pride. Many people choose this path when there's embarrassment or humiliation that they deal with in their life. They become prideful and they, they feel like they have to prove they're somebody. In fact, I think this is something that a lot of us deal with. Trying to live down our past. Trying to live down maybe our family or things that we've done. I got to prove I'm somebody. Got to prove I'm more than the circumstances around me might suggest. That more than the car I drive. More than the job I have. And in that moment when we choose the path of pride, self-determination takes the place of trusting God. I'm going to prove I'm somebody. Instead of, I'm going to trust God. But Joseph chose the path of humility. And I think this is significant. I think it's because of humility that Joseph's story is what it is. He was willing to become nothing if that's what it took to live out God's purpose for his life. Sound familiar? We see a foreshadowing of Christ in Joseph's humility. Jesus, Son of God, equal to the Father, equal in His glory, emptied Himself of all of that and became a servant so that in serving He might save many. I've had people over the years of pastoring who have craved a title, craved recognition, craved a position. I had somebody take me out for breakfast one time. And he said, Pastor, I think you need to hire me. I think you need to give me the title of evangelist. And you need to give me an office in the church. I said, oh, Really? How many people have you won to Jesus in the last month? And his response was, well, nobody's paying me for it. Right? Craved a position and a title to give him worth. God calls us to a position of humility. Calls us to pursue humility. 
Second thing, these first two points are kind of foundation building for point number three. Stewardship. Let's read verses four to six. Potiphar, the second part of verse four, Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. A steward is somebody who takes care and responsibility for someone else's property. Today we might call them a, a property manager. We see that Joseph is given responsibility for property and stuff that is not his. Potiphar's household and possessions and everything that he has. His slave owner boss sees that when he trusts Joseph with something, it's taken care of. Right? He wants Joseph to care for his stuff because of the character that Joseph demonstrates. Stewardship is connected with humility. A steward can live open-handedly. I believe God calls us to a life, especially as New Testament followers of Jesus, calls us to a life of open-handedness. Of understanding that nothing that God entrusts to us is actually our possession. It's just a temporary trust that God has put in our hands to steward, to care for, for a season. Same scripture that speaks of Jesus emptying himself of The glory that he had with God and becoming a servant says that he did not grasp the position that he had with God. So many times, outside of the church and inside of the church, we as humans grasp Mine. I worked hard for this money. It's mine. I built this property. It's mine. This family is mine. This stuff is mine. This position is mine. And it runs completely contrary to the heart of Jesus. And I believe the heart that he calls us to as stewards to live open-heartedly and generously understanding that what he trusts to us is only ours because he trusts it to us and the more we show ourselves generous and faithful with it the more that will be trusted to us like joseph 
the more that he showed himself faithful and not grasping at position or stuff, but he honorably stewarded what was trusted to him the more he was trusted with. You and I are stewards. We understand that if Jesus is our Creator, our Savior, and our Lord, then all that we have and all that we are are His. Do we grasp at those things that He's trusted to us or do we live open-handedly? Will I make my life about me or will I make it about Him? And that's why over and over in Scripture, our finances... And how we deal with them are spoken of as a test of our hearts. Over and over. Jesus talks about money just about more than anything else that he talks about. Why? Because money is... Because Jesus was on the take? Because money, it was all about money? No, because he knew that our possessions were a test of our heart. So rather than our attitude being, why does God want to take my stuff from me? Why does He want me to give? Why does He want me to tithe? What's that all about? Rather than why does God want me to, to take stuff from me? We should be asking, why has God entrusted me with so much blessing? Of course I want to honor Him with my tithe. Of course I want to live generously towards those around me because all I have is His. In every setting, Joseph showed himself as a faithful steward and was trusted with more. And God is looking for faithful stewards that He can trust with more blessing because it's more opportunity to show our hearts. Purity. All right. Verse 6b. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. You might today use the word a hottie. Right? He was hot. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day he went into the house to to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. 
Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife said to him, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. In other words, you're not getting out of this one. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So we want to talk about purity. Because Joseph demonstrated a purity of heart. Purity is not about what you don't do but about who you are. Joseph isn't a hero because he resisted temptation. It's how and why he resisted temptation that gave him the victory that made him a hero. James 4, verses 7 and 8 says this, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Notice that resist the devil, and he will flee from you is sandwiched in between submit yourselves to God and draw near to God. Submit yourselves to God draw near to God. You see, we tend to have this idea that we can just take on temptation and win. If I just try hard enough, I can defeat temptation and it won't tempt me anymore. I can beat it. I can wrestle temptation to the ground and beat it. But the more time we spend wrestling temptation, the more it has our attention. And the more it has our attention, the more that it can wear us down and defeat us. You will not win at this game. The enemy has been playing it way longer than you have. I heard this amazing example this week. When Saul and the Israelites were facing off Goliath and the Philistines, 1 Samuel 17, the battle with the Philistines was the right battle. 
But why did Goliath get to set the terms of the battle? As long as Israel faced them off on Goliath's terms, they were paralyzed. The passage in 1 Samuel 17 describes Goliath's size, Goliath's spear, his sword, his armor, and his battle experience. As long as Israel met Goliath on his terms, they had no hope. But David goes in with no armor, no sword, no spear, and five stones. He's not fighting a close combat battle, but an artillery battle. He took control of the rules of engagement and changed the rules of of the battle. Too often we are baited into fighting the battle the enemy wants us to fight because it's a battle he knows he can win. So back to Joseph. I'm sure that the attention from this rich and powerful woman was flattering. He may have even considered that he could use her power and connections to gain the influence he needed to live out God's plan. The enemy is always quick to offer shortcuts. Right? It's what he did to Jesus. Showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth and said, if you just just bow down for a moment and worship me, you don't have to go to the cross. We can jump over the cross and you can be the king of of the world. If Joseph had entertained Mrs. Potiphar's flirtations and just thought, I can handle this. It won't go too far. I'm strong enough. I can win at this game. And I will not be taken out by temptation. He would have been in trouble. So here's what I believe Joseph did. And I believe here are three keys to winning the victory over the dark side in our hearts. First of all, he refused. He refused. In verse 8, it just it says, but he refused. But he refused. And in fact, in, uh, at the end of verse 10, it says, again, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Make up your mind ahead of time what, you, what decision you will make in moments of temptation. Don't wait to make a decision when your thinking is compromised. At the moment of temptation, depending on what the temptation is, at the moment of temptation, your brain chemistry goes into overdrive. And it is altered by chemicals like dopamine and adrenaline and testosterone and estrogen. And it actually affects your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain where you make decisions. Your brain shuts down. You are not 
capable of making right decisions in the moment of temptation. And so we need to, we need to make a decision ahead of time. What am I going to do? Joseph had probably grown up hearing the story of how his uncle, in a moment of strong desire for food, this uncontrollable hunger that was on him, Esau, traded away his birthright for a bowl of chili, red stew. We'll call it chili. Right? Traded away his birthright for a bowl of chili. Because when he was hungry, he was compromised by his fleshly hunger and desire. And he was not capable of making a wise and right decision. And Joseph was not going to make the same mistake to trade away the purpose and plan of God in his life in a moment of temptation. And he decided ahead of time, I am never going to trade away the call of God. So he refused because he decided ahead of time, I'm I'm never going there. That's not an option for me. He worshiped God. Verse 9, interesting that it says, my master, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? In that moment, It wasn't Potiphar. How could I do such a thing and disobey my boss or bring dishonor to my boss? I mean, all those things I'm sure were there in the background. How could I do such a thing against you? How could I do this? It was, how could I do such a thing against God? My life belongs to Him. He's the reason I want to be pure. He's the reason I want to keep my life on track. It is not enough of a protection against sexual sin that you love your spouse. Many people who love their spouse have fallen into sin and regretted the shame and destruction they've brought on their families. Fear and guilt are not the best motivators towards purity, but a love for God. It is vital that we maintain our intimacy with the Father if we want to safeguard our purity. Purity is not primarily about what you are avoiding as it is about what you have given yourself to. Verse we read earlier from Galatians chapter 5. Part of the verse says, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
we want to be pure, our focus isn't on not sinning, it's on pursuing God with all of our heart and soul and life. And not giving sin an opportunity because we want Jesus and nothing else. So he refused, he worshipped God, and thirdly, he removed himself. Verse 10, And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day when he was in the house to attend to his duties and None of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and, he, and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He refused to be with her. Joseph anticipated the possibility for temptation and he just didn't put himself in situations where he would be tended, tempted. Hanging out in a bar or a nightclub is not a good choice if we want to avoid drinking. Watching movies with nudity or sex scenes are not a good choice if we want to guard the purity of our minds. Spending time alone with a person of the opposite sex who's not our spouse is not a good choice if we're married and we want to safeguard our marriage. Joseph made that choice. And it's a big reason why he conquered the dark side because he didn't make room for it in his heart. When the temptation ramped up, he literally ran out of the house. The Apostle Paul wrote two letters to Timothy, young leader that he was mentoring. And in each of the letters, he told him to flee temptation. Just don't even make, give room for it. Don't, don't think you can wrestle this thing to the ground. Just get out of there. When temptation is coming at you, leave. Go. Move. Shut down the computer. Turn off the television. Shut off the radio. Whatever it is. Get out of the room with that person. Avert your eyes. There are times when it's the mature and manly or womanly thing to do to just run from a fight. And that's when we are being tempted. He refused. He planned ahead what what he wanted his life to be about. What he was not going to, that he was not going to allow anything to rob him of God's purpose for his life. He worshiped God. He maintained and cultivated a passionate heart for the Father, a heart of worship, a heart that pursued God above all other things. 
and he removed himself in the moment of temptation. Let's stand. So what, what can we learn from Joseph today? God is looking for humble stewards with pure hearts. Your advancement in spiritual authority will not be determined by your gifts or your skills or your connections, but it will be determined by your heart for God. And it is vital, vital, vital that we guard our hearts and cultivate a wholesome heart and an intimate walk with the Father. Do you want more? I guess the answer to that question might be yes, but it might determine more of what? Right? You want more stuff? You want more recognition? You want more power? Want more pleasure? Or do you want more of Him? I want to pray for us today that we would take seriously the lesson from Joseph. God, we thank you. Thank you for your your love for us, your, your strength in us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is in us, that gives us strength to overcome. God, we don't want to be um, deceived into thinking that because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we're, we're immune to temptation. We're immune to distractions and troubles. But until the day we meet you face to face, there is a battle going on on the inside of us that you have called us to win. And that if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That if we walk the path of pursuing you with all of our heart, of trusting in the power of the Spirit every day to lead us and strengthen us and guide us, if we are so busy doing the work of the kingdom, that we have no time to give to the passions of the flesh, the the distractions of the flesh. And it's not about battling sin on its terms, but it's about stepping over it and living life on your terms. 
God, we don't want to trade away our calling, our purpose, our destiny, the, 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 the anointing and authority that you have in store for us for a moment of diversion, for a moment of pleasure, for a moment of distraction, for a moment of numbing our pain with the things of this earth. But God, we want to stay focused on you. So God, I pray for every person that's watching this online today, every person that's in this room, that you would empower us and enable us to walk in a a victorious life like Joseph did because of our humility, because of our stewardship, and because of the purity of our hearts that pursue you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. going to come and and dismiss us today but if you'd like prayer if you'd like prayer here in this room I invite you to come and and, uh, we'd love to pray with you